The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And there's a new superhero series on Netflix called Guardians of Justice. And it stars frequent Talk is Jericho guest and my pal, Diamond Dallas Page, created by Adi Shankar. It was a lifelong process from idea to release. Adi and Dallas are on the show today to tell us all about the making of Guardians of Justice, which came from the imagination of Adi during a really dark time in his own life. He explains how he came up with a very... Um, Interesting concept of troubled superheroes who have to confront evil, uh, both within them and without them, and of course each other, in this cool mix of live action, animation, claymation, eight digibyte, everything in between. It's very, very interesting. He actually founded his own animation company to get this series created the way he envisioned it. Dallas talks about how he met Adi and what he thought of the first time he read scripts for the series about seven years ago. The two of them share how this was supposed to originally be a movie for YouTube and how it evolved into a series for Netflix. Adi also talks about his Hollywood career from producing films like The Grey and Dread to series like Castlevania, which was huge on Netflix, to creating the bootleg universe on YouTube. He's had a crazy wild ride at such a young age. You hear all about how he made it happen, and I'm going to make it happen for you on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, Four Leaf Clover, Go to ChrisJerichoCruise.com now and join the pre-sale list. And you can see everybody who's going to be joining us on the cruise. We're back in business, baby. February 2nd to the 6th, 2023. ChrisJerichoCruise.com for all information. And FozzyRock.com for all information on our upcoming Save the World Tour U.S. run. We start March 31st in Detroit. Go to FozzyRock.com to find out all the information about all the shows and the VIP meet and greet as well, which, of course, is one of the best in the business. We meet you, we greet you, and we play a five-song mini set for you before the show even starts. So much great stuff going on, including Guardians of Justice on Netflix and Adi Shankar and Diamond Dallas Page joining us here on Talk is Jericho to take us in the world of Guardians of Justice. And we start right now. We'll just jump right into this, man, because there's a lot of cool stuff going on. So I've known DDP for many, many years, and obviously he's been on Talk is Jericho tons of times. Always a great guest. But DDP, just like his documentary says, is very relentless. So Paige called me about a month ago and was telling me about Guardians of Justice, and I got this show coming out, and I want you to do Talk is Jericho. And I'll, I'll have Paige on for anything, but I didn't really know what he was talking about because I hadn't heard about it. So anyways, he sent me the links to it and I watched the show and oh my gosh, what a what an amazing show. And the best part is DDP is like the star of the show of this thing. Your story is amazing. This whole story of Guardians of Justice is amazing. So why don't you jump in and kind of tell us how this thing all happened? Because you have a huge career going on and you're a very young guy, which is amazing to see. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I don't feel young anymore, right? I feel like I've aged into my job. <laughs> like being 37, I'm staring down the barrel of 40. When I was 27, I was like, haha, I'm like a little kid getting away with it. You know, I was like plain grown up. Now I'm like, oh, wow, I have to actually embody grown up now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's show business, man. That'll do it to you as well. 
So Paige, what we were saying though, before we were talking is that I had no idea that you are the lead of this show. It opens with your narration. And I thought, well, maybe he's just the narrator. And then you're the top build guy uh, as the superhero uh, Nighthawk in, uh, in Guardians of Justice. So we're just kind of getting started on this. How did this all come about for you? Adi and I, God, we met like 15 years ago, back when he was a real kid. <laughs> and we just I was I was very naughty. I was very, very naughty. I was like a naughty kid. <laughs> a naughty kid? He, uh, yeah. We just connected. Uh, a buddy of mine named Barry Levine called and said, hey, this guy, Adi, uh, he's a fan of what you do. Love you to hook up with him. And I met with him, and we just connected. And uh, over the years, you know, Adi has produced a bunch of stuff from, which is just coming up on Netflix, which I found was interesting. Uh, Walk Among the Tombstones is one of the movies that he produced, and also The Grey, and also he did Killing Them Softly with Brad Pitt. He did a bunch of movies. And at one point, we were having lunch, and I think he had just got done doing Judge Dredd. And he was like, you know, these guys, they take me seriously, but I can't get my ideas across. He goes, I'm going to do some stuff on YouTube. And I looked at him, I went, YouTube? <laughs> he said, yeah, I'm going to start my own channel. And the first thing he did, and I have to tell this backstory, really understand it. And a lot of people who understand or have seen this, it's the Power Ranger, what he called the bootleg. And it was Power Rangers, like an R version of that. And it blew up huge. And that's the first thing he that really got like a, a monster attention. He had, he had another one he was going to do with Thomas Jane. And it was a Punisher shirt. That's what the uh, the Power Rangers was. It was a like a 15-minute, I think, something 17-minute short. Yeah, it's like they're, fan, they're like fan films, effectively. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. They're like, they were unauthorized fan films. And I and, was like, well, you know, wouldn't it be funny if I made like an unauthorized fan film, didn't have the rights but executed them at like a hyper-professional level where people thought it was like the real thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it blew up huge. And then he, he called me, he said, hey, listen, we've been talking about doing some stuff. What? I, I've got this part, it's going to punish her. Thomas Jane's going to play the Punisher. It's like, it's going to be about 10 or 12 minutes. And one of the other characters is a, uh, a disabled veteran who runs a liquor store in the hood. And when the dates he was shooting, I couldn't do it. So that went away. And it was really great. If anybody want to go, either one of those uh, bootleg universes, Adi's uh, company, and that's what he made up on uh, YouTube. And either one of those, Dirty Laundry or the, or the uh, Power Rangers, really blow your mind, really give you an idea of what other things he's done up till this point. And I moved back to Atlanta. Because I really wanted to start to really pursue DDP yoga and build the, you know, you've been there. We filmed Judas mm -hmm. at the Performance Center. We did. How many million hits? How many million views do you have? 55 million views so far. 55 <laughs> million. And one of my guys, Nathan Mowry, directed that. He did. And it was phenomenal. I, I love that everybody comes to, when you come to the ring, Chris, and everybody's singing your song, and they turn the music off, and they keep singing. To me, and I've said this numerous times, the greatest entrance music, the greatest entrance ever, dude. I'm so happy well, for thanks, you. Man. And I'm just, that tiny little piece of being involved that is, is amazing <laughs> yeah. for me. So Adi calls me up, and now I'm living in Atlanta. He said, I just sent you a script. No one's seen it yet. Pick whatever part you want. We've been talking about doing something for a while. We're going to do the same thing. We're doing like the YouTube thing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, awesome. I'd love to do it. So I go, but what do you really want me to play? I go, because you're right. I don't want to pick a part. You've already got somebody. He goes, trust me. No one's even seen it yet. Oh. I go, okay. So I read it. And he said, it's going to be like Superman, Batman, but it's not going to be that. It's right. going to be like Nighthawk and Marvelous Man and Golden Goddess and The Speed and... <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so I started reading it. And then I called him back and uh, I said, I'm going to play Mind Master. He goes, Mind Master? You want to play Mind Master? I was like, yeah. yeah. And, and, and just, to, just to interject, like Mind Master is a very small role in the... In the in gotcha, in the whole universe, right, yeah. So Dallas was like, yeah, I want to play I want to play this small role. And I'm like, and then continue. No. He goes, really? You don't want to play Nighthawk? I go, Adi, man, you're shooting this really quickly. There's not a lot of days... There's a ton of dialogue. He's like, listen, take it for the weekend. Read it again. Read it a couple of times. And let's talk after the weekend. 
So I call him back after the weekend. I go, dude, of course I want to play Nighthawk. But, <laughs> you know, I was concerned for my buddy who was putting this. This is his big project. He's one of the co-directors. He's the creator. You know, and I don't want to blow it. And you know that I'm the guy who gives everybody else the power. You know, never underestimate the power someone gives you by believing in you. Probably started for me with Dusty. And now here it was with Adi. He's like, you can do this, man. He goes, Nighthawk is DDP, you know, meets you, who you are as a man, meets a superhero. He goes, you you can do this. And I went, all right. And I called my guys up, you know, who all work with me, because we had just opened a performance center. It has all been this like seven years. This is a seven-year journey. Wow. Adi gave me the confidence to do it. It was, you know, that, that's where it started, man. So, Adi, did you have Paige in mind for that role? And just didn't want to tell him? Or what were you kind of thinking when you wrote this? Because obviously you said nobody had seen the script until you showed it to Paige. So were you thinking, oh, he's totally going to go for the lead role? Or were you just thinking, I'll, I'll let him suss it out and see what he thinks? Here's the thing. And I don't want anyone to take this the wrong way. Paige is always on my mind. <laughs> he gets in your head, man. He gets in your head. <laughs> you know how everyone has like characters in their head? They have yeah. like, voices in their head. Have your voices. Paige is one of those voices, consciously, subconsciously. <laughs> and like, here's the thing, right? I was like the Batman archetype, that vigilante archetype, the dude with like no powers and mm. kind of running around in a world with like gods. I was like, that's kind of like, Paige is taking a punch to the face. He got thrown off a triple steel cage. Like, mm. you know, that's some Batman shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's not, that's not something you can go to an acting class and learn and be like, What's my motivation? <laughs> yeah, what's my motivation? It's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I was like, bro, you are this character. Just show up as you, and I'll dial you a little bit here, a little bit there, and you already are this character. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Let, let me ask you this quickly before we go back to this. We kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, and you mentioned it too, how you were, you know, just a, a kid playing in Hollywood. But, but you talk about The Grey, which was a, a big movie starring Liam Neeson. Uh, did some big business and you are uh, the EP for this executive producing it and I'm checking the date uh, 2011 so you were 27 26 at this point in time how does a 26 year old kid end up being the executive producer of a 25 million dollar movie that then nets 81 million at the box office uh just kind of luck <laughs> you know just luck I mean like you know like it, it's interesting dude like so I think it was when I turned 30. I was trying to reverse engineer how my, my life happened the way it happened. Right. Cause you know, it went from, I was a college kid then I'd left college for seven months. I worked at a credit card company. Mm -hmm. Everyone hated me at this credit card company. I lived <laughs> in the suburbs of Chicago. Like I was a complete loser, <laughs> like living in the suburbs. I was living, I was like in office slash the office, office space. Right. And then all of a sudden, like, bam, 180 i was on the set of my first film and then my life like kind of changed almost overnight and then i was like on this freight train let me interject adi does will never say this adi was at northwestern you know master's degree and he wasn't he wasn't learning anything he's like a savant he's he's a genius he's very 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 sharp guy when it comes to creating and finding these projects and it got to a point where they actually came back to him and the dean asked him to teach the class. Hmm. <laughs> you know, so he's that guy. <laughs> so he's underselling himself big time. This journey that we've been on continually, we're talking seven years. And there's time where I flipped and now I'm the motivator. Right, right. We're going to do this. This is going to be great. We just can't quit. We just got to keep going. But, but Adi, you know, and you, and you are underselling yourself, which is great. But, but I'm like, you know, all three of us here have been in show business for a long time. I know how hard it is to get into Hollywood, to get projects sold. 
even to get onto Netflix, which we can talk about for Guardians of the Justice in a bit. So what was your end? Because even, you know, with the power of the Google, you know, your first movie is still, you know, it looks like a fairly highly budgeted mo- movie with Orlando Bloom is in it, Ellen Burstyn and Colin Firth. Very, very, very bad movie. Very bad movie. Well, okay, it's very bad, but but still, you're 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 getting Orlando Bloom. Who it's not like it's you know Joe Puke and the Chunky Bits where you're filming it on your iPhone and editing it. This is a, a bigger movie, and it's your first. What was your end to be able to do that? That one. I mean, no one, no one would like even return my phone call at that point, right? Like, right. As, as you know, everyone was like, so Ooh. I couldn't even like meet. Well, it was more than like I couldn't even meet people in person because when they saw me in person, they saw that I was like, you know, like a little kid. Yeah, and they were like, "Go away, <laughs> shoo, <laughs> shoo." So I was like, "Okay, just keep them on the phone. Don't go in to meet anyone." You know, if you look at that movie, the cast is all British because oh, okay. I realized like Hollywood agents won't take me seriously but if i call a british agent they're like a lot nicer and i'm calling them from hollywood <laughs> <laughs> well there you go you're you're an american from hollywood therefore you get some street cred right <laughs> right and i'm like i'm i'm from hollywood uh i would like to yeah so you look at this movie it's all british people in it. it's like calling gotcha. for Orlando, you know right right well, everyone who had british agents so i guess my my point is i was finding like loopholes at every stage of the of the game right i was trying to go okay where where are things heading and also like you know i don't look like people i, I don't want to uh, this isn't a race thing but I, I just i'm not like a like a white dude at that point right. and it was just like I, I didn't look like everyone in hollywood so mm-hmm. i knew that the front gate was not going to be open so i had to find back doors every single time and sure. so it was a series of me finding like back doors and that just kind of manifested a career and i think like you know it's not too dissimilar to how you did it, Chris, like you go to Mexico, you build some tape, like all of a sudden mm-hmm. you go from a guy who's trying to break in and then you're, you're, you're performing in Japan. And then all of a sudden you get signed to WCW and then no one's taking you seriously. Cause you're like a cruiserweight and everyone's like, Oh, this is like a little cruiserweight. And then you're right. like, okay, I have to get over with my mic skills. Right. So then you bring out the list, you know, the list and you're talking about the arm bar and this and annoying the crowd and they hate you, but they really love you. Right. Mm-hmm. And that, so like that, <laughs> That was like the the YouTube for me. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm in the machine, but I'm like, I'm going to be a cog in the machine. And I don't want to be a cog in anyone's machine. So I'm just going to like do things to annoy people a little bit with these fan films. It's interesting to me because when you're talking about this, like, like once again, when you're an executive producer of a film, like we said, like The Grey. I mean, obviously, that's a, a big budget movie. What did you have to do on that movie? And what did you learn right out of the gate? Because it's your second or third movie. But here's the thing, Chris. That movie, The Grey specifically, not unlike Guardians of Justice, it was an independent film, right? So when oh, it see. came out, it got a big release and the whole thing. But it was an independent film. It was an independent movie that had no distribution. Like, no, it all got figured out after the fact. Also, I want to point out one thing. Today, we look back and go, oh, Liam Neeson, action star, makes sense, right? You put Liam Neeson in an action movie, that makes sense. At that point in time, Taken had come out. Taken was an anomaly. Taken was seen as a freaking anomaly. Then he had another movie called Unknown that was uh, directed by a guy named Jaume Colette-Serra. It was like a, a Jason Bourne type film. Unknown hadn't come out yet. And then the third movie was was the great when unknown came out and became a hit because again unknown was a european movie it was not a hollywood movie gotcha so then unknown comes out becomes a hit then all of a sudden the distributors are like okay well this guy has another another film in the pipeline this one and when you look at who released the gray it was a company called open road that's not a major movie studio now, Liam Neeson is an action star. Everyone knows it. But at this time, he was still kind of building his name. So it was, I don't know if easier to get involved with it, but it wasn't, uh, it was a little bit more of, a, of an uncharted territory at this point in time to be dealing with him as an action star. Exactly. It wasn't a crystallized business model. Gotcha. That it is today. I think the big learning from all of this, and this wasn't like, yeah, it's kind of a learning, but also a, a reaffirmation. You want to be the first part of the first group that shows up somewhere mm-hmm. right before it crystallizes. So like the gray, again, independent film becomes a thing, right? 
Right. Even like, you know, I, I think the logical follow up to that is like, okay, well, how'd you get involved with Netflix? Right. Sure. That's the thing. Like my first meeting with Netflix was when they were a small company. They were a small company that was trying to make their mark. And I went, these guys ah. are going to blow up. Right. So the people that I met with way back when are now senior management. Oh, I see. So you're talking about seven years of, of, of this project being in existence. You met with them before Netflix was the monster that it is today. Right. My first meeting with Netflix, you know, I, I was like DMing executives on Twitter because <laughs> they were seeing my short films. I'm like, yo, this is tight. I'm like, thanks, bro. And then, you know, Castlevania was one of their first uh, original series. It's the thing that got them in the anime business, ultimately. Right. And that was pitched in 2015, back when, again, it was a small office. Wow. And so then, then it, like, blew up. But then, like, you know, then they're like, hey, this, this you know. So then, but again, see, I, Chris, I, I, not I, unlike I, you, right? Like, you get involved in AEW, like, right, you know, right off the yeah. like, It's not... <laughs> well, Right. It's not like even even this show, even Talk is Jericho. I totally get what you're saying because I started Talk is Jericho in 2013 when podcasting was in its infancy. And now there's literally a million podcasts in the world. And that's not exaggeration. There's literally a million. You can count them if you can count that high. But getting in, in the ground floor and establishing yourself and establishing your niche really helped as the medium got bigger. Yes. And you build trust with the audience and right. you build trust with the, uh, the executives. You just build trust, right? Because you, you become battle tested, so to speak. No, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. It's like not chasing trends. And I think that's the thing that the, the two of you have in common. You guys don't chase trends. Mm. You go, what's the next thing? Let me get involved right now. Yeah. You know, Dallas would always call me for years like, bro, do you know what this is? Gluten? Mm -hmm. It's going to be huge. You know, like it'd be like the, the thing because Dallas is always knowing what's next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I actually remember that eating uh, gluten free cupcakes at your house when you used to live uh, by the, by, in California. I was like, oh, this is great. What's gluten free? A crazy yeah, dude, page. I, He's I, at it again. I didn't believe you. I didn't believe him. I didn't believe him. That was like Thanksgiving 2009. Like, yeah. I'm sitting there. He's like, bro try this and i like eat the cupcake <laughs> and he's like it's good right i'm like yeah it's great he's like you know what it doesn't have gluten i'm like what the fuck is gluten what dude? is that <laughs> what this guy's going on like gluten? is this like this is like a real thing <laughs> cut to like four years later everyone in la is like terrified of this thing called gluten it might as well be godzilla <laughs> how do so, you uh, eat now bro how do you eat you're gluten free uh, yeah, I'm gluten free. Of course, of course, I'm gluten free and dairy free. I'm gluten free and dairy free because this was years of you being like, "Bro, are you eating gluten?" I'm like, uh, uh, you know, and then that's like the GDP voice in your head. Like, yeah, of course. Bro. Gluten, every time you're about to eat gluten, it's like it's gonna kill you, bro. You want to die right now? Eat that gluten. So, Paige, going back to the question that we asked earlier about this being your biggest part, uh, is it your biggest part? Yeah, there, there, there was some other stuff I did, you know, just little indie films that never really got this movie called, I did called Driftwood. It was probably similar, but I had months and months to work on that. They were right. writing it. They, it was a concept that Dark Horse Comics put together, and it wasn't a, a, a superhero thing. It was like a, a guy who ran a detention center for kids, mm -hmm. and it was a, it was a huge part. But I had so much time. Adi was giving me like two weeks, and they're going to shoot like boom, 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 boom again. This is you know YouTube stuff that it's like uh, guerrilla stuff. You know, I just, I, I really was, you know, I didn't think I could do it, but like anything, you know, once you put your mind to it, you know, the, all three of us know this today, you know, if you put your mind to it and you put the work in and you put the real work in, you're going to be okay, you know? Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. 
Now, Audie, let's talk about the format of this show, for lack of a better term, because once again, watching it, like I wasn't, I, I just started watching uh, last night. I ended up getting through half the series. I didn't know if it, at first I thought, oh, maybe it's just uh, animation then because Paige's voice is in it. But then it's a combination of live action and animation and claymation and 8-bit video game. I was trying to put a little bit of a cap on it. It kind of reminds me a little bit of an Edgar Wright type of a vibe. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And it also has a little bit of a Sin City type thing, Frank Miller, Bruce Willis. But it's really unique and original. How did you come up with this format? How were you able to sell that? Because as we know, especially in Hollywood, when it's very unique and different, that usually turns people off until it becomes a hit. Then it was everybody's idea. And there's a million shows like it. But there's no shows like this currently right now. So, Chris, that has not been my experience of Hollywood. I, I just want to kind of okay, good. frame this with that. That's not been my experience. Like, I think whatever it is, like the marketplace or the audience or whatever, they like want different stuff from me. Like, I think. Good. Okay, cool. They're expecting that from you. Yeah, they're expecting that from me. So, how did it, like, why is it mixed media like this? Yeah, how um, did you come up with okay. that idea? I've never seen this before. Uh, you know, this is where I sound like a, a serial killer. That's how my mind works. So, like, my memories. You know, if you were to like jack a tube into my head and then <laughs> right. watch it, it's it's like that. And also, the show works in uh, 1.5 speed, so it's moving a little too fast. Oh wow! Right? Okay, because so, that's how things feel, and they're like it's like moving really fast, and there's like chaos. And then, I mean, for the first ten years of my life, more, I constantly questioned reality. I was like, "Am I living in a simulation? How do I know that any of these people are real?" <laughs> that are interacting with. How do I know that they're, they're not like paid actors? And that right. when I leave, everyone freezes and starts laughing. I didn't know. So there's like an element of crazy, so to speak, <laughs> infused within my DNA. Right? So, so this is like an accurate representation of what it's like in my mind. Okay. So, so when you pitch that to, to, for example, you pitch it to Paige, how are you acting these parts? Because there's a lot of stuff going along around you there's i didn't tell anybody oh okay <laughs> because the whole thing here chris is is like tonal contrast i needed like the live action actors to i needed to dial them in a very specific way so it works with the cartoons mm -hmm. so it's almost a little veering the live action veers a little bit into cartoon sure it does i'll give you like another discovery or a, or a tidbit i guess live action's real Animation's animation, mm -hmm. but claymation ends up being the glue that holds it all together because mm -hmm. claymation is technically animation, mm -hmm. but you're, the human eye registers it as live action because you actually photograph it, right? So it ends up being this glue that holds the mediums together, wow. kind of like a rest hold. So how was that for you, Paige, to film this, for example? Well, again, he didn't tell us any of that part. You know, because we're doing just the live action stuff. And again, this like it was just for YouTube to start. But then at some point, Adi says, we've got a film here. We've got something special here. Like he saw that. But this is superheroes. We got to add. Yeah. You know, no, it's not. It's, it's sort of it's like he's being now he's being humble. Now he's being <laughs> humble. Right. He kept sitting me down and being like, bro, do you believe in yourself? And I'm like. Uh, yeah he's like do you see yourself and i'm like uh no he's like you gotta see what everyone else sees in you you know like like he was like yodaing me the whole time right and then i was like oh yeah 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 i gotta aim bigger yeah like again i'm not motivated by like i don't need to have like the biggest thing i don't need it you know to kind of fame or like the biggest platform i, I don't care i'm actually not even 100 percent convinced that this reality is reality you know it might mm -hmm. be just some sort of like illusion so he's being humble but that's interesting so when you were filming this page you had no idea until you saw it back in post-production what it was going to be completely i knew as we went along because you know first it, it's been years years and when you tell someone you're doing something especially your Adi shankar and you've done all these films and these shorts on youtube they're like well, when's it coming out and him, a, a lot like Steve Yu, isn't going to put it out until it's done. Right. We need to get that video out. It's not done yet. It'll get done when Steve Yu finds that ingredient, you know? Mm -hmm. You've seen it a million times. Sure. So 
Then we add in all of the the fight scenes and more dialogue and more shooting. And this is now going, it's going past like a year, two years. It is moving at a rate that all of a sudden it's too, he goes, it's too long to be a movie. And then it just here shuts down. Like it's, you can go too long. At some point, Castlevania happens. And Castlevania, again, he doesn't talk about that kind of stuff. It's a huge hit. Yes. Like humongous hit. And then put like, again, Netflix, which would be the dominator, another five or six years later, and again, put some something new on the map. And he created all that. Mm-hmm. And it was just from a, I never played it, but Cody Rhodes played it and knew every single character. He absolutely loved it. And all of the people who grew up in those, you know, in the 90s, they loved it. And he took it and made it into an animation, then went and did it again. And they're like, what else do you have? And at that point, he's like, so I brought up, you know, at the point, early on, we called this Gods, you know, Gods and Secrets, and, you know, the working name title. At some point, he's like, so what What do you think? Because it's me and him. Like, it's me and him, the ones <laughs> from the beginning are the only ones that are left from the original crew. And I'm like, don't show them this yet. Now we got this guy, Eric. He's really amazing with his the animation and just pulling another ingredient together. Chris, I, I think like I've gotten better at this mm-hmm. and you've seen the show. So, you know, if that's how my mind works. You, so I'm like, it's like I'm trying to decode images that I'm seeing in hyperspeed. Sure. And then trying to like explain it. And I, I didn't always have the vocabulary to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like a, it was like trying to explain to people what I was trying to do when the thing is kind of unexplainable. You have to see it first. Let me yeah. break his eyes for a second here. <laughs> one day, Adi and I are having lunch on the Grove, and at some point, and I can tell he's frustrated about something, and he looks at me and he goes, you know I don't really talk like this. This guy can talk like any accent on the planet, and you think he's from there. <laughs> he speaks Hindi, but he also lived in Hong Kong. He's lived in New York. So he's put this together, and again, knowing that no one's really going to take the Indian young kid seriously. Not until friggin' real recently, but this is one of the, the groundbreakers. He's a trailblazer. He adapted and became an American. <laughs> because he sounds as L.A. as anybody out there. So when he says, I'm you know, trying to get all that together, he's listening to what they're saying and how much slang do we use as Americans. He's got to figure his shit out as he's going. So a lot of times he'll sit there. So, and then he'll talk. So that's what he means. So Adi, what, what, I guess I'm curious as to how you were able to, for lack of a better term, build these episodes. The editing, the animation, the claymation. I mean, we keep talking about how this took seven years in development. Paige mentioned how quickly it was to film his stuff. But how long did it take to put together the edits of every episode? Because they range from 20 to 30 minutes. But there's a lot of work in there. It wasn't seven years in like development and then we got to shoot it. Like the process of sculpting the show was seven ah, years. Wow. Okay. Six, well, six and a half, six and a half. So you see, even within the 2D animation, right? Just the 2D animation alone, there's, uh, I'd say like nine different styles of 2D animation in right. there. Right. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Even the claymation, it's not, it's like different styles and tones of yeah. claymation. So everything had to be really honed in and dialed in intentionally. So for some of it, like, the 2D animation piece, like I had to found the animation company to pull it off. Mm. So I founded a company in like Spain to like, pull, like I found these two, two animators and I kind of helped them build their business, build their clients right. and then create it. So I, it's like, I guess the word here is bespoke. We'll use it. I'll you know, accept like it. super, super custom. It's like super custom, right? So you can't go to a normal company and say me this because they're not set up to do that. So you have to create the infrastructure to execute something original because the existing infrastructure is designed to execute what already exists. And Chris, all these guys who came on this are huge fans of not just the work, the real, the work in Hollywood, but bootleg universe, right. you know, the, the power Rangers, the, you know, the dirty laundry, this is the greatest thing ever. And you, you heard it in the cortex 
the voice. He had put together a little series of the an animation of the man, Sean Connery, 007. James Bond, right. <laughs> yes. And that's the voice of the cortex. And when he said that to me, he didn't tell me. And I heard it. I was like, yes, that's the voice of Cortex. Because there was many voices. Another one from the bootleg, just from reading through from the bootleg universe, is, is Mr. Rogers was the war hero where he went to Vietnam and a lot of his characters were based on his Vietnam uh, friends or whatever. How, how are you getting the rights to do this without, you know, the estate of Fred Rogers going, hey, stop this, man. Like, is it? No, they, they all did. Every everyone. No, everyone. Every single oh. time. Not, the Fred Rogers estate. So if you like, they, they got really pissed and, you know, I, their, their lawyer called me and was like, you know, how can you do this? Uh, <laughs> Heim Saban, who, you know. I know him. Power Rangers, Power Rangers. Yes. I know his son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they like threatened to like sue me after that short went viral. Like, and they were like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> it was like a lot of that. And then like. So how do you get out of it? I, one, I didn't make any money off it because I wasn't, gotcha. you know, I'm not motivated gotcha. by money. And yeah. then what I would do is just wear face paint and then talk a lot of trash. Like, you know, I'd like get in character when, so when the, the Power Rangers thing happened, TMZ called me and they're like, Hey, do you want to come on TMZ live to talk about this? And I think there's a guy named like Harvey, Harvey yeah. or what's Harvey. His name? Uh, Harvey? His name his name? Yeah. yeah. So he's like, Hey, so you're like really young and Harvey you've like done this thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so that, that dude. It's like you're really young. And now it's just like, billionaire guy who's like mad at you and he's like what do you have to say and i was like wearing like sting-esque face pain maker <laughs> yeah pain maker pain maker face paint and i was like tell him if you want some come get some <laughs> and they were like okay and then, yeah they just go away uh i was like i don't know <laughs> like you said man i was a naughty kid because <laughs> i'm like i'm like hold up i didn't grow up in america right right so, like, the places I'm from, like, you don't really, like, get to do stuff outside of uh, the box in society that you're born into. Sure. And you, you're expected to, like, be a certain way and look a certain way and have hair cut a certain way and dresses, you know. And I'm, like, to me, America was, like, the land of the free. Like, people people can, like, do whatever the hell they want. And so, I was like, this is awesome. I want to go to America and be naughty. <laughs> and that's exactly what you did. You're, you're breaking out of the... Uh of the caste system. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to like go there and like, you know, be an upstanding citizen and be like, well, uh, hello, hello there, sir. Um, I was like really, really grateful for this opportunity and I would love to work with you again. I was like, no, I want to wear like face paint and act insane. <laughs> That's amazing. That, that look, look how it's paid off. That's one of the re people, like you mentioned, people love guys like you guys, like all three of us. Cause we don't give a shit, but when you don't give a shit in that respect, it's like you're supposed to back down from us. We are the empire. And you're like, no, I'm going to put on some Alice Cooper type face paint and go F you. <laughs> and I wasn't like doing it in a mean way either. I was just like, I was like trying to make myself laugh. I'm like, I'm like, hold on. So I'm now in this position where I'm perceived as a significant Hollywood producer. How do they all dress and how do they all look? So if I show up to the red carpet with all of them and I'm wearing like pain maker makeup, <laughs> it's like funny, you know Why what I not? Mean? Sure. It's like funny. What are they going to do about it? It's like a, a modern day Andy Warhol. Just show up with whatever you want. Who gives a shit, right? Andy Warhol used to make Batman. He made a Batman fan film. That's kind of where that started from. Like oh, really? Andy Warhol literally made, yeah, he made a Batman fan film. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Let's talk about the story itself because I really, I really enjoyed it because it, it, it very much, I would say, a dark satire of superhero movies, tropes, TV shows, whatever. I want to ask you how you came up with the whole concept and the whole universe. So I love the names, you know, Magnificent Man and Nighthawk and The Speed and like they're all kind of based on actual superheroes with those little twists to each of them. 
you got to really commit to Magnificent Man because that's like something I would have thought of when I was eight years old. What's I'm sorry, Marvelous Man. Sorry, Marvelous Man. It's something that I would come up with when I'm eight. Like I'm going to have Marvelous Man, but you make it work, and we're really intrigued as to the whole story of who you know killed Marvelous Man and did he kill himself and all this other stuff going on. But it's really well well written and well done. Where did this kind of whole concept come from for you? Okay, this is where it turns a little dark. I was suicidal. And I was like very, very, very like deeply, deeply, deeply depressed. And this had happened to me a few times uh, in, in my life. Like the first time I moved to America, uh, it was just so much culture shock. And I was like 16 and I'd moved to America by myself. Oh, wow. Uh, by yourself. Uh, wow. So I was like 16 and it's like foreign country. <laughs> I was like, ah. look, I, I love America, but like Americans expect you to understand America. And if you don't, they kind of like are like drawn with you. Yeah, um, I can see that. That's yeah. kind of like a, a thing. So yeah, I was like very suicidal, man. As as much as I was having fun being the the naughty kid and getting away with it and doing all this, I there was also like a deep hole in my heart mm-hmm. that I didn't know how to fill. And the success that was coming my way throughout my twenties was not filling it. And then mm. like you know, I thought, oh yeah, there are all these like people that made fun of me when I was younger. I'll show them. And like, you know, right after, like right away, I was getting like messages from people who kind of went to school with and they were like treating me like now I'm something. Yeah. uh, Yeah. 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 Something. And none of it, none of it filled that, that hole. Like none of it filled that hole. It was like, I was walking around with a, like a gray filter over everything. And I didn't even know how to, it was like a silent desperation Mm. because I didn't know how to like communicate what was going on. And if I was like alone with myself for a few minutes, like I just, it just felt horrible. Every waking minute felt like complete pain. And as you can see with the show and as we've already established, like my mind kind of pieces things together in like this different way. Right. So I really also felt that like no one understood me. And I also didn't have the tools to communicate very well at this point. I didn't know how to like, I didn't know how to ask for help. I didn't even how know what I was asking yeah, for. Right, right. I didn't know how to express it. So I felt completely like in a, like a prisoner in my own body and my own, in my own skin. And then finally, like uh, I went, you know, saw a doctor and the doctor was like, you're like very, very, very depressed. Uh, you have to go on this medication like right now, like right now it's called Zoloft. And I'd been on, been on it before. So this happened to me right after, college when i was working at the credit card company so anybody was random side so i'm super depressed i go on the zoloft and i could feel the medicine affecting the chemistry of my brain and my experience was it almost felt like wizard of oz i was looking at the world that was like super kind of muted and gray and all of a sudden it started becoming bright and colorful right right my lens of reality has just shifted and then i'm a huge nerd so where where my mind immediately went was like well what if I was Wolverine? Because, you know, Wolverine has a healing factor. Mm-hmm. So he can't get drunk because his body will metabolize the right. alcohol right away and heal, right? So I was like, well, what if I was Wolverine? And then the medicine wouldn't even work on me and I'd be completely stuck. And Wolverine's mm-hmm. like kind of immortal, right? So I'm like, oh, that'd be terrible. Uh-huh. But then I went, hold up. But Wolverine has a healing factor that would probably be an emotional healing factor. So that wouldn't, you know, his, right? Yeah, heals so his brain, mind yeah. would. So then I went, oh, Wolverine doesn't work. But then I went, Oh, what about Superman? Oh my God. Like Superman, this would be like the worst. And he's like the only one, you know, that's how I feel. Like I'm from this place and then like other people aren't from there where I'm at now. And then I've had these uh, nuanced different life experiences that have etched me into a more specific person that may not fit into the collective all the time. So I was like in a really dark place and then the medicine was changing it. And that's when it all came in then. That's when you thought of what would it be like if a Superman type character, marvelous man, was depressed and wanted to kill himself, but basically couldn't unless he had a bullet made of your version of kryptonite, which I believe is calamite or whatever we called it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, that is very interesting. Uh, Paige, is this something that you saw in Addy and helped him? Because this is right up your alley of being a motivator and and a believe in yourself type of a guy. Yeah, and well, again, reading the the script when i first went through it it was like wow i don't want to say what happens of course and who he is but the story was really 
this is really different. This is never, and remember, this is seven years ago. There's no Deadpool. There's no movements. There's no Guardian no, of the Galaxy. There, there's yeah. no, there's, there's not even a ISIS at this time. Hmm. It hasn't happened yet, but it's written into this. Very similar, but not. A Nighthawk is, if Batman ever got over 40, and got to his 60s, and he smoked, and he drank, and, you know, he took pills because he's in super pain, because he's still a damn mortal, <laughs> and he's got cancer, and he's just a B-A-double-D badass, you know, who thinks he's right all the time. That's where the characters, when you say it was me, is like, I know what's good for everyone. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's not DDP yoga. It's this other thing. And... I just saw, and getting to know Adi better and better through this time, because I saw him in the dark places. Because people, like I say, were like, when is this coming? When is this going to happen? And he was like, we were up on IMDb, and he took it off. And never put it up till it was announced that we're doing, that Netflix has got a date. Again, the wait, because when we knew Netflix had brought this on, that's when Adi took it to a different level. That's where Eric got involved. Sammy, who I love Sammy. He's one of the guys that helped piece everything the way Adi was. He could express it to him, and then they could do it. And between Eric and Sam, like those two cats were pivotal in what we have to be able to show his vision. Because he's a visionary. That's what he does mm -hmm. in this scenario. And again, it was just an amazing process to go through, you know? So, Adi, are you the type of, like, and this is, the, the, we talk about visionaries, and there's the fine line between us, insanity and genius, and we all walk the line, all three of us here, with the things we've accomplished. Um, <laughs> what are you talking this, about? <laughs> is this something, I'm almost sensing a little bit of an Axl Rose Chinese democracy thing here, where it was never finished, it was never done. What finally allowed you to release this and say, okay, after all these years and all this preparation and all these different elements that we had to put into this, it's now ready and done. Is it done for you? Or was it more like, I got to get this out or so I'm just going to keep tweaking it forever? Uh, wow. That's a very astute observation, Chris. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, obviously you're a, you're an artist too. So you, you guess, uh, no, no, I had to just like kind of abandon it and walk away. Yeah. Uh, I, I could have kept going. I could have I mean, kept going and going and going. Chris, I had to go uncle. It's done. It's ready. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. We're ready to go. Yeah, Eric yeah, says yeah. it. Uh, Sammy says it. Just and he's like, I have more. He hasn't seen seen yeah. like the finish finish because he'll be like, oh god, we should have done that. We should have. The thing this. is, like, but 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 I understand this. Like if, even just know, from, from writing it. writing writing books, for example, I literally yeah. can remember sitting there going, "Is it but or is it and? It's but." Yeah, yeah, ah, it's and that's <laughs> but finally going. Stop it! It's and and that's it. And then like three months later, yeah. reading goes. I should have used the but. It sucks. It should have been but. And I, I, I was like trying up. to go to bed. And I was trying to go to bed early yeah. last night so I could be up in time for this for this conversation, which I was very much looking forward to. Right. And I woke up at like three in the morning and I started like texting people and saying, "Hey, I want to change this." And then I'm yeah. like, I, "I know we can. I just need to express to you these right. are things that I would want to change." <laughs> you know what I mean? There's a, there's a, yeah, there's like an insanity. I think you got to control the chaos and kind of put guardrails around mm. yourself so that you can show up and deliver for the team, right? Because I'm, I, I think like ego is where, you know, that line you said between like uh, a visionary insanity and insanity. Yeah, yeah. In, yeah, yeah. I think where it dips into insanity is, is when the ego takes over. Yeah. Once, once the ego takes over, then you become like insane because then it becomes like all about me, 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 my, 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 my. And I'm like, dude, I'm not about that. I'm just trying to express this thing, get it out there. And I have no expectations or like attachment to an outcome. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. King 
Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. a little bit about the, about the casting because there's some great casting in there and there's tons of recognizable people throughout because there's a lot of characters yeah, you know there's yeah, yeah. richards is here and then you see rj Mitty is here and chas bono with one of the best deaths that i can no spoilers it's a head explosion which is just awesome but um did you do that intentionally pepper it full of recognizable faces or were they just the right people for the job i was both a lot of the people in the show like like Dallas, uh, people I had relationships with. Mm-hmm. I like casting against type. Sure, yes. That's like something you know to to build that layer of yes. tonal contrast and, yes. and and add add those layers layers to mm-hmm. it. I wanted to put interesting people in there, and I think another piece of this, right? And and you were you were talking about the Hollywood machine, which I think is very rough on actors because mm. actors get typecast, right? Um, right. You guys right. know this as wrestlers, right? You guys are like theater performers. You guys are live theater performers, but then there's like a bias against wrestlers sometimes. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, <laughs> That's for can, sure. you, can you act? Are you sure? I'm like, these guys act all the time. They're like acting all yeah. the time. Like, in, with, with <laughs> when did you start acting? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? It's like yeah. theater, man. So what I was also trying to do was, how do I say this in an eloquent way? Pull actors from different arenas. Right. So I didn't want like all HBO types. I didn't want all Twilight CW network types. I didn't yeah. want all character actors. I wanted it to be like an eclectic mix. And I think that's what you're responding to, Chris. People from everywhere. And therefore, you can't like pigeonhole the show as, oh, okay, this is all like kind of CW network, YA young adult type people. Or this is all prestige drama actor actors who take themselves very seriously mm. or this is all people from reality tv it's not all one thing it's 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 smart it's a smart way to do it, it. You know, my favorite character one of the favorite ones is jane seymour mm-hmm. as the head of the corporate conglomerate who really is the black box what i call like yeah biden is not running this country it's the people in the black box that <laughs> yeah. are doing what they do to make the money. I also love Derek Mears, who is an awesome yeah. man. I love the scenes that I have with him. Plus, I love he, that's so against type. You talk about yes. this guy's a killer. In real life, he's a killer. Like, he's a bad motherfucker. But he is such a gentle giant. And Adi saw that in the real Derek and cast him in that role. And we know what happens in that. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so I met, I met Derek in an elevator once. <laughs> and I was like, hey, uh, I know you. And then he came into my office. And I talked to him for like 15 minutes. And then he left. And I was like, I felt like I was talking to a, like a little kid. And yeah. I'm a little kid. And I felt like I was talking to a littler kid. <laughs> and I was like, huh, that's really interesting. Well, I, I just said uh, Derek's probably about six foot six, six foot seven, bald yeah. guy. He plays Swamp Thing. I think he's been Rob Zombie movies or something as the he's big been, giant guy. Yeah. Predator, yeah. he's Predator, yeah. like Jason, like, you know, like he plays yes. monsters. He plays those types of guys, yeah. I'm like, on a soul level, he's a sweet little kid. If I'm a naughty kid, he's a sweet little kid. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of like sent him a message on, on like Facebook and I was like, hey, dude. I've got this thing. You want to do it? And then he immediately said like, Oh, I'll, I'll play like the Lex Luthor type character. I'm like, what? Right. Cause you no, man, like we need, I want to put you in something when that like showcases this, this innocence. And he you did have. his first yeah, he's scene. Like, he's eating like, taco. <laughs> the other person who I thought you just did a hell of a job besides RJ. He was great. I, I've never met him. The guy who was the, uh, you know, the announcer, the uh, the newscaster, he yeah. really added, and then he got added way later when I told you we were adding. Yeah, 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 yeah. How, how, yeah, yeah. He's a very, very good. He's also like, I mean, like most of the, the people on this were like, you know, friends of mine. But he's a like a like almost a big brother to me as well. Like uh, how he got, he's really he's such a talented performer, but he got so insecure when we were filming it. Because I was like making him, you know, again, it's a live action cartoon, right? It's a live action cartoon. 
And I didn't explain to anybody what I was actually doing. And like, he was like, you know, when he starts, he starts doing it, you know, very nuanced. And he's a, you know, he's a heavyweight actor. He's doing it like very like nuanced and stuff. And like, no, go bigger, bigger, bigger. And he's like, mate, you, you sure? No, I feel like my acting teacher's not enrolling in a grave right now. So I'm not stupid. I trust you because you're my fucking mate, right? But I'm not stupid. And the last one, of course, Shardy Vincent. She just kills it, man. She's done a bunch of stuff, and she's like one of those chicks that was uh, the top. Uh, what was it called? Adi, that movie she was uh, in that did really Step well. The uh, two of Step them, the horror one and the dance. You're next. Step up 3D. Uh, yeah, she's great yeah. in it. You're next. You're yeah, next yeah, you're next. Was, uh, yeah, 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 she's yeah, the lead in lead in your next. I met her around before your next came out. She was so nice and so down to earth. She's like Eddie. You're so young. <laughs> Eddie, like, well, I feel like you're just such a nice guy. I really want to spend more time with you. Last couple things for you. So, what is the? How does it work with Netflix, Adi? And every time I think Adi Shankar, it makes me think of Ravi Shankar, which is one of the greatest uh, musicians of all time and George Harrison's mentor. So, right off mm-hmm. the bat, I was like, oh, I like this guy. I like his name. What is? Wh- how does it work with Netflix? Do you sell them the the season? There's seven episodes. Do they say we'll see how this goes, and then we go from there? Is this meant to be just a one? season one and done piece what are your thoughts and ideas for a future if, if, if you can think about that i feel like i'm still you know coming to terms with that myself because this, gotcha. is, this is something that you know this is like almost like for me it's like i've given birth to a child it's sure. like a child and like you're kind of like whoa this first child was a handful. I don't know if I want a second child right away. No? <laughs> gotcha. You know what I mean? Like, like part of you is like, oh my God, I love you. You're, you're just such a sweet little child. And the other side's like, you ruined my life, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had it so good. I used to wear face paint. I used to channel Moon Goose, Moon Goose McQueen. And now I can't do that anymore. <laughs> you told me to I'm dumb. I don't want to be an adult. Last question for you guys. What is your, I'll start with you, uh, Adi, and then you can answer Paige. What is your favorite scene from the series? Is there something that stands out where you're like, oh, this one really nailed it for me as far as what I enjoyed in making this and in acting in it as well? I love the Chaz Bono thing. Uh, I thought that was great. Totally didn't even expect it. But that was my favorite right now so far. <laughs> it's, it's, I don't have like a favorite scene because I can, each moment in the show, like I can kind of reverse engineer how in my life it kind of got there. So like in episode two, for instance, right? Like, you know, the part where it's like the TV commercial for the, for the weapons company yes, that yes. I run, it's like freedom, freedom, <laughs> Buckwood industries. Right. So like that came about because Kanye West started like yelling at me one day and why he was like, you, you got to stop apologizing. You keep apologizing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I got to stop apologizing. He's like, no, you're apologizing right now for apologizing. And I was like, you know how he's, he's like a, a similar energy to Dallas, but just like kind of on the other end of the, of the spectrum, of the spectrum with it, right. right? And I'm like, and I'm like, dude, you, you're, you're right. Like I do. Apologize. Yeah. And, and I realized like how sometimes I, I play it small even, even like, look, like humility is, is a, is a, is a virtue, but I think sometimes if you're too humble, that's kind of like an ego thing there too. Right. It's like, <laughs> I can't show up. I can't show up as myself. I can't show up in all my glory because people can't handle it or whatever. So I was like going home that day. What Kanye was yelling at me about was like playing in my head. And then I like you turn and I went, and I like went to the editing room and I said, no, want to do this. I don't have like a favorite moment or scene because like the whole thing was like that right it was it was all a process of me ignoring the impulses and then there's like different moments that it came about like where oh then this happened this happened this happened and then i went boom or i had this memory of this and like this pissed me off and then i put this in you know (laughs) like uh i guess i guess it's like any creative process i mean i'm sure it's like Kind of like for you when like you were like, oh, I'm associated with all these things, these moves, these catchphrases, this haircut. 
I'm going to show up and throw them all out the window. And like, right, yeah. you know, right. It's like, yeah, but also like, you Can know, work together here. Kind of yeah. Rock the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like rock the boat a little bit, kind of uh, subvert expectations. But I think, and I, I guess I'm saying that to you because I feel like as an artist, you like to rock the boat. Yes. And the rocking of the mess boat. with people's expectations. For exactly. sure. Yeah. That comes from also like, okay, my own, your own expectations too. No, that makes and sense. It's like messing, messing with your own expectations. And then what is, what is the journey in your personal life that got you to express that, you know, that one thing. So I remember you said once that you watched uh, no country for old men mm-hmm. and Javier Bardem, Bardem's character Chigure, inspired yeah. One, one thing, right? So, but again, that was like a lineage of moments in your personal life that we were like, boom, and then boom, and then boom, and then boom. And it became like a time capsule for yeah. what Chris Irvine was going through in that moment. That makes sense. And was expressed no. through Chris Jericho. Yeah, I totally get that. That's very interesting. And that's how you made this series. Yeah. So I simultaneously hate it all and love it all. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Paige? <laughs> yeah, I've got I've got many of them that I really love, and I can't watch I can't watch an interview that I've done unless it's really good. You know, I've got to right. like really feel, and I can watch these over and over again, so I know that they're the best I had in those moments, and they were really real to me. I'd say like the stuff I did with Awesome Man. Towards the end, the conversations I had with him on what I needed him to do. And then the ones that that I had with, and it wasn't wasn't big, but it was what came out of it. The the conversations that I had with Aquaman, who's played by Kevin. How do you say his name? Kevin Kellen? Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz. The Twilight guy. No one would ever know that that was him. But it's what came out of that scene and where it went to, because that's like another, like a moment of like, what the f- did he just say? Right. The main one was when I find out something with Marvelous Man through the cortex. And the cortex is what's left of Cal's planet. And Marvelous Man's name is Cal. And Caltronite, etc. The cortex is the only thing he has left, and humans are not supposed to use it. But I don't give because <laughs> I'm on a mission, you know. And when <laughs> I come, yeah, and when I come out of it, what happens, and what I see, and what happens, like it emotionally hits me when I watch it. So I know that that was I was feeling exactly what I was supposed to be feeling is Nighthawk. So those are my three favorite, but there's yeah. there's so many of them I really enjoyed going through this process. And Adi was there to direct me and let me know, like, okay, here's where you're at with this. Because, you know, you shoot everything out of sequence. You know, so yeah. to get that... Story, I mean, most of the people didn't know what the story was. They didn't know what they were in. They are like, what? <laughs> it's like texting. I was texting them. I need you to show up Tuesday at 2.30. Do you do that? They're like, for what? I'm like, yeah, I'll, yeah I'll just, just show up. I'll, stuff. I'll play when you get there. Just for some yeah. stuff. Yeah. And they're like. <laughs> like I said, it's a very unique and it's a really, really cool show. And it's been uh, awesome talking to you guys. Uh, it was really cool kind of getting into it as well because it is not what I expected. And it's completely cool. And like I said, something that uh, I really enjoyed watching. I'm excited to see the rest yeah. of it over the next few days for sure. You're like, I thought it would suck, and I thought Dallas would be like a small cameo in it. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I didn't know if it was know, a cartoon no, no, I know. or what I'm it was, being, right? I mean, I mean, I mean facetious, yeah. not facetious. No, man, uh, Chris, as a lifelong fan of how, you know, I, I think both of you have uh, reinvented yourselves multiple times. You guys have done things against the odds, you know? Uh, you guys right. have persevered when it feels like there was forces and entities at play that were designed to kind of hold you down or hold you mm. back or be like, no, this is the box you now operate in motherfucker. Stay there. And you're like, yeah. Oh yeah. Little finger to you. And you like ran off and like, you know, <laughs> lion salt. Somewhere else. Got naughty. Um, yeah. I got naughty. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like, there's so many moments in my life 
that are like like you're just kind of intricately linked to like, <laughs> the second piece of thing i ever made 10th grade i made a music video to break the walls down oh right on and then i i had them play it in the school oh, you know how in the morning in the school they have like tvs and then they're like okay and then then there's like a bulletin there's like bulletins sometimes and then people talk and then, then that one morning, they're like, and we have a music video from Addy Shankar. <laughs> Randomly played like, some music with no context. And all the students are like, what the? It just came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, Chris, I really love to hear at some point, text me when Ash gets a chance to see it. I'd love to know what he thinks. Yeah, yeah. Well, now that it's on Netflix, that makes it legit. I mean, it's yeah. on Netflix now, the kids are watching. So I will let, right. I will let them know to check it out for sure. Thank you, guys. This has been great, and uh, and it's great talking to you. Great meeting you, Audie, and great talking to you, Paige. All right, buddy. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Help us get the word out, bud. I will, man. All right, bro. See ya. Bye.